What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Let's kick this thing off. Simon Chamorro is the co-founder and CEO of Value, which is making cross-border payments much more effective for millions of people. I was so impressed with Simon and his team's plans that I became an investor in the company. In this conversation, we discuss the legacy payment systems in South America, Value's solution, why Bitcoin is so important in emerging markets, hyperinflation, oppressive governments, and crypto's future. I really enjoyed this conversation with Simon, and I think you will as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Exodus. Exodus.io is one of the most popular cryptocurrency wallets and has been around since 2015. It's supported on both desktop and mobile, allowing you to sync your wallet across multiple devices so you can have access to your funds anywhere. You can instantly exchange around 100 different cryptocurrencies. Interactive charts let you view the price history of a specific asset or your portfolio's performance over time. And maybe the best part, Exodus is integrated with Treasure Hardware Wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Visit exodus.io, E-X-O-D-U-S, E-X-O-D-U-S dot I-O for your free download or search Exodus on the App Store or the Play Store. Exodus, one of the most popular cryptocurrency wallets that's been around since 2015. Go to exodus.io or search Exodus on the App store or the play store next up is crypto.com and you're going to want to pay attention to this are you planning to buy a tesla with bitcoin what if i told you that you could win a tesla just by trading bitcoin well you can now with the crypto.com app crypto.com is giving away four teslas to enter the lucky draw download the crypto.com app and pay at least a hundred dollars of bitcoin before march 8th if you're new to crypto.com you'll also enjoy zero percent credit and debit card fees in your first month. You can also apply for their Crypto.com Visa card, which gives you 8% back along with rebates for your Spotify, Netflix, and Amazon Prime subscriptions. More details can be found in the show notes. Download the Crypto.com app now and good luck going to Tesla. Lastly is DraftKings. Have you ever wanted to give yourself better odds on winning a bet? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to do just that. All players who place a bet on Sunday night's basketball game between LA and Denver will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right. For every 1,000 players who bet the over on Sunday night's game, the over-under will drop by one point. Every better who hammers the over in Sunday's Denver vs. Los Angeles game helps to lower the game's over-under. The best part is that even as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. That's right, you can double your money by hammering the over. If that isn't enough excitement for you, there's a huge title fight happening this weekend at UFC 258. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PUMP when you sign up to hammer the over on Sunday night's basketball game when LA takes on Denver. For every 1,000 people that bet the over in Sunday's game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the over overhitting so tell your friends and family this is a team effort hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money that's promo code pomp for a limited time only at DraftKings sportsbook you got to be 21 or older new jersey indiana michigan and virginia only restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details if you got a gambling problem go to 1-800-GAMBLER and give them a call all right let's get into this episode with simon i hope you guys enjoy this one Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. 
All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys. Bang, bang. We've got a very special guest today. I've got Simon here with me. Thank you so much for doing this, sir. Thank you, Paul. Super excited to be here. For sure. Let's just jump right into your background. You've got a very unique perspective on the world. So kind of help everyone understand where did you grow up and then kind of what have you done over the years before you started Value? Of course. Um, so I guess I can start by saying that uh, I am a migrant. Um, right now, um, I live in Colombia, but uh, I was born in Venezuela. And due to the economic uh, collapse and hyperinflation in the country, um, I decided to migrate from a very early age. Um, you know, everything that uh, Venezuelans, families, and my family built uh, was lost. And so for me, the solution of crypto um, and what it brings to the table is, is something personal. Um, I migrated to Spain uh, to play soccer from a very early age. I played for Real Madrid. Um, and then I did industrial design in the United States. So that was my second migration. And in 2014, uh, I fell down the crypto rabbit hole. Um, essentially, right after I graduated from, from, from college, um, I found about Ethereum. Then quickly, I found about crypto. And then I started figuring out what, what I wanted to do with cryptocurrencies in Latin America, especially in Venezuela, uh, because of the potential impact uh, to solve hyperinflation, solve these problems. Um, and now I'm living in Colombia. So that's a little bit about me. In general, I, I love building companies and getting a lot of people together to solve large problems. So uh, I think crypto falls into that category. Talk a little bit just about as a kid, uh, the hyperinflation and kind of the collapse of the uh, the Venezuelan um, society and government. Uh, kind of what was your experience there and any specific stories that kind of stand out to you to really highlight this for folks? Sure. Um, I guess I can, you know, tell you a little bit of uh, an analogy. Um, you know, when, when we were growing up, uh, the government multiple times because of this hyperinflation, um, which means everything was just getting more expensive. You know, you guys in the United States uh, are experiencing a little bit of that uh, right now. Um, it's really hard to know what's the inflation rate uh, because the Federal Reserve potentially won't, won't release the real numbers. But everybody tells me that life is just getting way more expensive in the U.S. Uh, so you're, if you're holding your currency in the local fiat, in the local uh, currency issued by the government, uh, then you're just becoming poorer, right? Uh, cash poor. Um, in Venezuela, that is um, that that became uh, hyperinflation, which means that uh, money loses value at a ridiculous rate. In January, for example, uh, we had a thousand percent. January of 2021, uh, we had a thousand percent hyperinflation. Um, and if we look at it, at it in the past 20 years, we've just had um, ridiculous numbers of uh, of inflation, which means you know, going back to the analogy. Um, where we, when we were growing up, um, the the government used to take out zeros from the currency because the the number the numbers were just getting super large. Um, so today, a dollar, uh, uh, an American dollar, is worth like uh, one billion uh, one million bolivars, 
But if we add the zeros that the government has taken out, one US dollar is about one trillion, over, over one trillion bolivars. So as you can imagine, um, cash bills couldn't keep up with this, uh, with this hyperinflation, and now cash is worthless. I could literally like burn, you know, I could take a full paper wall of bills of Venezuela and burn them and, and I wouldn't care. Uh, and cash is, is exactly worth it. So a lot of the people in the crypto space may, may have seen that people in Venezuela use the cash bills to build uh, or to do art or to do uh, uh, like purses uh, because the purse that you make out of these bills is more uh, has more value than the actual money. Um, so those are just some of the examples and analogies I can bring to the table. But, uh, you know, growing up in a country like that, uh, where 50% inflation happens in a day, where you go in the morning to buy milk, and then you go out in the afternoon and the milk is twice as expensive, um, you really become, I guess, financially savvy on how to survive, right? How to survive in a country like that. Um, and everybody in Venezuela became somewhat financially savvy. Um, you know, from people that are cash poor to rich people. Um, and that just generated uh, as well my uh, huge migration, a mismanagement of the country that is not only monetary, is uh, also um, from an executive perspective, there's no food, there were food shortages back in the day, mismanagement of the energy systems, so bad internet, and people started migrating uh, and businesses started to, to go broke. Um, and, um, and, and now we have, we, we came from being potentially one of the richest countries, um, in resources in the world and one of the richest countries in Latin America to the poorest country in Latin America, even poorer than Haiti. So really, really big, uh, drastic change. Talk a little bit about before uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, what were people doing to, when you it became financially savvy? What were they doing to protect uh, their wealth or their purchasing power? So people were basically buying uh, uh, stuff, buying assets that were not, trying to not hold their money in the Venezuelan Bolivar. So, um, you know, back in the day when this was happening, people would, you know, turn into buying real estate or buying um, or just spending it in like restaurants or storing a bunch of food um, and um, and then trading this food. So uh, even barter <laughs> became something, uh, you know, not at a super large scale, but people started to barter, uh, you know, um, things. Uh, and so uh, communities got together uh, to buy, for example, uh, water for the buildings. Uh, and then you would buy one of those large trucks of water uh, once, like like to spend all the bolivars as much as you can and you just hold your money in water, I guess. Um, and so that became the norm, just putting your money in, um, in, in things that were um, uh, less liquid, I guess, um, and, uh, and, 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 and food and things like that. And, and some, some of the other people were starting to buy things like gold. And then when Bitcoin became something, um, when Bitcoin became like more well-known, especially with local Bitcoins, uh, which is a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, trading market, um, college students started to, to getting like to understand it and, and grasp uh, the concept of storing your money in Bitcoin. Um, I think that was in the 2017, 20, even before the 2017 bubble. Um, 
And, uh, and then these students got so excited and these young people got so excited that they started teaching their grandmothers and their, their grandfathers and their parents about it. Some of them got it, some of them didn't, but the whole country knew about it, at least understood that there was this alternative digital currency, uh, <laughs> internet money, uh, medical internet money that people could use to hold their value uh, instead of the local currency. Um, and, you know, that's from a very basic perspective, from a, from a more financially savvy perspective, you know, the amount of financial engineering and financial loopholes that, you know, richer, uh, more educated people could find were, was ridiculous. Uh, some people, for example, started asking credits from the banks in the local currency and buying an apartment in Manhattan and then paying that credit in Venezuelan boulevards over, you know, 20, 10 years, 15 years. Uh, and they would buy an apartment in Manhattan for like the uh, equivalent of, you know, a thousand dollars or less. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, you know, that's definitely corruption in, in some way. But I, I have heard of people that did this and that's just an, uh, uh, kind of like uh, something that I wanted to share as you can imagine if that's one thing that you can do in a hyperinflationary economy, there's so many things you can do to hack the system and to, you know, get away with that. Absolutely. And so let's talk a little bit about what you're building with value. Uh, I'm an investor in the business. I think that this is a really, really unique uh, type of solution and one that's gaining market adoption. But just talk through kind of the impetus uh, for the idea uh, and kind of what you guys have built so far. Yeah. So one of the things I, I, I would like to start with the problem, right? Um, and um, the, the what we we are potentially um, solving hyperinflation and rampant inflation. Um, and, and even we can potentially save Venezuela. Um, so if value, um, if everybody in Latin America puts their money into value, we, we, we think that we have virtually solved the largest problem in the region. Um, and value is essentially a simple, as a simple dollar account for Latin Americans that allow people to save money in dollars, in crypto dollars, and send remittances or international money transfers uh, between themselves uh, for free at no cost and, and, and immediately. Um, so it's just an app, a mobile app, um, and where people can connect their bank or pay with cash in more than 30,000 locations in Colombia. People in Venezuela can connect their banks because Venezuela, because of the hyperinflation, is fully banked. Uh, it's a it's a it's a country that has where more, more even more than the United States uh, people have a bank account. Um, so if you're in Venezuela, if you're in Colombia, you can turn your your fiat, your Venezuelan bolivars or your Colombian pesos into uh, crypto dollars. You can then send them for free and immediately between anybody between these two countries. And people can also you know use it for uh, saving and protecting their assets from the hyperinflationary um, economy in Venezuela and from the, 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 the depreciated economy in, in Colombia, which is while it's not hyperinflation in Colombia over the past, for example, five years, the currency has lost about 30% of its value or more against the dollar. So this is a solution that while the initial focus is for Venezuelans, um, both that are still living in Venezuela and migrants across the world. Um, this is a solution that may, may help any other population in Latin America. Um, 
and 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 help them uh, have more financial prosperity. Um, whether you're a farmer in the middle of Venezuela or a banker in the city, you can access dollars and make money every day because your money in value dollars is appreciating against the local fiat. Talk a little bit just how you're technically doing this. Yeah, so we use a combination of crypto. Uh, and, and I would like to say that we are extremely pragmatic. Um, I love crypto, I love blockchain, I love the potential that it has, um, You know, the transparency, the permissionless uh, uh, multi-signature accounts that people can actually, you know, hold their keys and be their own bank uh, in a way. But the reality is that in Latin America, specifically in emerging markets, um, people do not have the tools, uh, the education uh, to understand this. So they are really demanding for very simple stuff. Like, is it safe? Is it, uh, and is it like, you know, is my money going to be in dollars essentially because, you know, the dollar is the, is the current uh, um, kind of like uh, store of value that you know most people in the world uh, think is the best. Uh, still, Bitcoin hasn't still got gotten there, but you know over time, our strategy is that initially we're going to give people what they want, um, but very simple products built on top of crypto. But over time, as we increase our user base. Uh, we're going to give them Bitcoin and we're going to give them uh, multi-signature uh, non-custodial accounts. Um, but that is not the right time just yet. Um, so the way we do this, I wanted to give that initial kind of like um, ex explanation because um, we have an IOU initially. Uh, an IOU because it allows us to do these free immediate transfers, which is one of the ways we, um, we essentially... Uh, acquire users and promote that, you know, we're effectively killing the remittance business by helping people transfer money between countries at, at no cost um, and uh, potentially acquiring all these Western Union uh, users. Um, so it's an IOU, uh, which means that it's essentially a centralized uh, accounting system that is mirroring uh, crypto that we have custodied in uh, places like Circle um, and, and other places. And um, and so we back the value dollar, which is an IOU, with one-to-one -one with other stablecoins. Um, and the way we on-ramp is through Bitcoin. So initially when we started, it was all Bitcoin. Uh, we were offering fiat to fiat remittances and we were buying Bitcoin in the, in the country uh, of the sender. And then we were selling the Bitcoin in the country of the recipient to get the fiat and send it to their bank account. In Venezuela, like I mentioned, everybody has a bank account. So, um, so when you do the off-ramp in Venezuela, you pay directly to their banks. And we do that in a peer-to-peer -peer fashion, in, a, uh, in like a decentralized fashion of sorts uh, by doing it in peer-to-peer -peer, uh, exchanges. And so we never touch the Venezuelan banking system uh, because we don't want to do that because Venezuela is a, is a dictatorship. Um, and so we effectively can hack the system through these peer-to-peer -peer systems, uh, exchanges, and, and that's how we off-ramp. Um, and it was all going through Bitcoin. So we, our main goal at the time was really to how, how do we manage our treasury and how do we protect uh, uh, ourselves from the risk of having Bitcoin for this period of time. So we started playing around with hedging and futures. Um, and then we found that we could effectively um, create um, a, a, a synthetic exposure to the dollar through uh, doing um, Bitcoin uh, futures trading uh, and derivatives trading. 
So um, at that time, we said, all right, let's offer dollars to people or let's offer a synthetic dollar that is backed in Bitcoin uh, derivatives. Um, and uh, we recently changed that because we were uh, holding that in BitMEX. And with, what, with everything that happened recently, you know, it definitely showed that this is a risk. Uh, in the end, it's not that we're actually custodying these assets ourselves. This money is locked in these third-party exchanges. So we finally made the decision to back the value dollar with stablecoins. Um, and, um, and this is all I can say right now, but we are working ourselves in building uh, our own uh, blockchain and our own token. Um, because one of the most important things is to, over time, make this censorship resistant. Um, it's really, really important that this is censorship resistant. Um, and the only, one of the best ways to do this is by making the value dollar not an IOU, uh, actually creating a token um, and then building it in our own blockchain and over time giving people uh, with really good UX um, uh, a way for them to hold their keys. Talk a little bit about the market adoption so far, right? So uh, where are you seeing people using this? Uh, how is it going in terms of uh, the, the amount um, of transactions or just like any data that you could share around, you know, do people want this and are they using it? Yeah. So, you know, we, we launched 15 months ago in October of 2019. And um, in 2020, we grew 10x. Uh, we went from 3,000 monthly active users to 30,000 monthly active users with, um, and a lot of it was organic growth. Uh, the reality is that this is a matter of life or death for some people, right? Like accessing dollars uh, or stronger currency in, 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 in a place that is hyperinflationary or even in Colombia, uh, in general, in Latin America, it's really hard to access dollars. Um, and specifically in Venezuela, it's, it's a life or death um, thing. So, um, so being such an, an intense need, uh, what we're offering for people, um, it's, it's really, really important. And uh, right now we have um, since we launched, about 80,000 people have used our products, uh, about 30,000 monthly active retained. Um, we're, we have moved about $9 million from Colombia to Venezuela. And uh, we're talking about like low-income migrants, right? So um, super, super important. Uh, effectively have potentially helped about 200,000 or even more households in Venezuela um, access uh, the stability of the dollar. Um, and over time, uh, what we're going to continue to do is, um, like I mentioned, make it more uh, censorship resistant, making it more decentralized, educating people on, on the advantages of uh, these technologies, and working with merchants so that the product, uh, you know, is used for payments. Essentially, closing the the, the pipe, I would say. Uh, today, most people have to cash out into the bolivar, into the local fiat, to pay, because crypto. Most, mostly anywhere in the world is still not used as a medium of payment. Uh, but in Venezuela, given the, the situation of hyperinflation, everybody's looking for something else uh, to, to accept payments. Uh, you know, the trust barrier for crypto is, is way lower than anywhere in the world, I would say. So, um, so we're going to be launching QR payments soon, and we're going to be focusing on opening these uh, merchant uh, accounts so that commerces can accept payments in value dollars. And that's definitely going to be an important uh, moment for us to, you know, as a company to create more impact, to onboard more users. Uh, we recently enabled cash-ins in Venezuela. So 
which I, I believe is the most important thing we've, we've accomplished as a company, right? Uh, you know, effectively helping people turn their hyperinflationary currency into dollar in Venezuela. Back in the day, the only way they could access this was through their family members in Colombia sending them remittances. But now they can actually, uh, you know, cash in in Venezuela. Um, and, um, and so that's effectively um, what we have done so far, how many people are using it. And, um, and what's, I guess, what's also interesting is that through the Venezuelan use case, which is this diaspora that has left the country to Colombia, Peru, virtually every country in Latin America, the United States, Spain, um, we could expand to all these other places, all these other regions, build the on and offerings for them, for the Venezuelan migrants. And then once we have these on and offerings, then this is a product that also works for the local populations of Colombia, uh, Brazil, Peru, uh, Mexico. So the Venezuelan use case is really, really strategic. strategic. And so when you think through, you know, kind of just uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, value dollars uh, in South and Central America, is this something where you think that, um, you know, we're going to eventually replace the uh, legacy fiat currencies uh, with these new digital um, currencies? Or will there still be coexistence? It'll just be like the fiat ones are really bad at doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, The digital ones are better, but the digital ones don't necessarily knock off or kill the uh, the fiat currencies. Yeah, I think I think time will tell. Um, I, uh, you know, our bet and the reason why we started value down here in, in Latin America and emerging markets is first because Latin Americans love the U.S. dollar uh, and stable coins. You know, have this you know mirror um, value to the dollar, um, and it's a good kind of like gateway drug into cryptocurrency. I guess for most people, uh, you know, these stable coins. And over time, hopefully, you know, things like Bitcoin take over as well. But um, but I do think that while well, time will tell, Latin American emerging economies are the places that are more prone to the uh, uh, for the for the system to be replaced by crypto, um, because the the um, uh, the chaos uh, and the and the impact of uh, a, a financial crisis down here uh, in the emerging markets in general. It's it's really 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 large, uh, you know. From a macro macroeconomic perspective, um, not only we have uh, hyperinflationary currencies uh, in economies, but we also have, like I was mentioning, um, the, uh, the the depreciated uh, economies, which means that you know we import a lot of things. Uh, we only produce primary commodities like petroleum, which is now less in need from uh, first world countries. Uh, we haven't made the investments in education and all these things. So over time, uh, a crisis down here will just prove the system to be uh, way more ineffective. Um, and um, and, uh, and specifically in countries like Venezuela, like I was mentioning. Uh, if I, I truly believe that Venezuela can become the first crypto economy in the world. And um, if the political... Uh, um, uh, uh, um, if the government changes and, uh, and and the power changes hands in Venezuela, which you know time will tell, I can tell you that the, that the good guys that we know them are pro crypto, are pro building because they we we're actually seeing the effects of actually airdropping money to uh, Venezuelan uh, teachers and medical workers through crypto, um, and you know this is being led by the opposition by the good guys. 
So they they already seen they already actually seen this this this, this potential that it has uh, of overcoming uh, centralized authoritarian uh, regimes. So um, so I truly believe uh, in ten years we'll potentially you know have the first crypto economy, uh, hopefully down here in South America, and um, and and hopefully that spreads throughout the region. Talk a little bit about the education of the population. So the technology, obviously, we've talked a little bit about in terms of how that's evolving and, and how uh, far along it is. Uh, what about the actual knowledge of the people to know that this is a better system, that uh, there's very simple ways to use it, uh, and to basically just get them up to speed so that they feel comfortable using the technology? Uh, what, what do you see happening there? And are there any areas that uh, would surprise people? Yeah. It, I, I think you know education is the most important thing um, for sure. Um, the uh, and, and it doesn't have to be uh, boring education. It doesn't have to be uh, you know long long uh, information uh, and papers about you know how money works and how crypto is better. I think education starts by building great products uh, and then teaching people the features that these products are uh, giving them. And so it has to be embedded in the product itself. It's not that you have to teach people how to use it because then you have a, a shitty product. You have to really build great, great products, but, but you can also take advantage of these opportunities to quickly hint and, and show them why this is better. Uh, and this, this is a really, really important challenge and a big challenge to folk. Um, and so, and I think uh, that is, uh, you know, apart from a few other things like on and off ramps, uh, fiat on and off ramps, the, the key for, for crypto mainstream adoption is, is education for sure. Got it. What do you think is the biggest risk uh, or the thing that you're most worried about when it comes to adoption in uh, South and Central America? You know, um, we continue to have, I guess this is not only for Central America and South America, we, we continue to have uh, democracies, right? Um, and I think demo democracy, has, uh, democracy has failed as a political system. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a system where, um, you know, you have parties, where people are divided, uh, where, um, uh, you know, you, you make a, a career of being a politician instead of actually but, you know, everybody should be a politician to work for the people. So this the democracy system, um, and, you know, I can keep on talking about this, but I'm not going to get into that rabbit hole, but the democracy has failed, in my opinion. And so that means that power is so centralized and we are so dependent on, for crypto to be uh, successful on politicians, that um, that worries me across the, across the board, and in, in, even in the United States. Um, and so... Um, uh, I think that unless we move really fast, like really fast as an industry, unless we really are stay true to our values, because, you know, we're seeing more and more companies enter the space, more and more people enter the space recently. And, um, but most of these people haven't been in, in the space since the early days and they haven't been here because of why this why crypto is better um there, there might be a lot of people just trying to make a buck or or make money by building a, a company in the space but um and this might be successful companies so that's when 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 it really becomes scary for me i really think that you know 
the good guys in the industry, the people that are working on decentralized uh, systems, fully decentralized on non-custodial accounts, on privacy. Uh, these are the people who have to win. Um, and, um, you know, us at Value, we're, you know, learning every day and we're making our best to, you know, pragmatically um, uh, first acquire the users and then help them transition into this new, more uh, uh, um, uh, sovereign systems and these new better systems. Um, so I think those two, those, those are the two things that worry me most, uh, the political uh, dependency and the, uh, and, uh, and which are the companies that are going to actually uh, lead the way in the space. Got it. And so when you think through uh, kind of where this is all going, right, let's zoom out and look forward 10 years. How do you view uh, value 10 years from now and kind of what would be the milestone of success uh, or kind of the, the maybe not finish line, but kind of the thing that you're aiming at? Uh, what does that world look like a decade out? So contrary to what most people think, uh, I think the crypto space has a really unique uh, characteristic where this is not going to be a winner-takes-all uh, type of industry. The reason is exactly because of what I just mentioned, the, the regulatory uh, hurdles. Um, these regulatory uh, and compliance hurdles will mean that there will be silos of companies that will target specific um, uh, regions. And so for value, I think what the most important thing us is, is dominating Latin America um, and helping Latin Americans um, transition into, into crypto um, and into dollar accounts and then into Bitcoin. So, you know, 10 years from now, we, we hope to be uh, dominating Latin America from that perspective um, and then connecting Latin America to the rest of the world. Because if we, are saying, if we imagine a world where we have these silos um, of companies that are in different regions and they're all working in blockchain and in crypto, the um, uh, interoperability, uh, you know, I'm sure in 10 years we'll have interoperability with cryptos and blockchains. Um, it'll be just a, a more global, uh, you know, uh, financial system. Um, so that's where I see value in 10 years, very, very, very much focused in Latin America and connecting Latin America to the rest uh, of the world. On that path, what are the uh, data points, not necessarily the numbers you're trying to achieve, but just what are the data points you think will be most important uh, for you inside of value or for folks who are interested in the crypto markets in general to pay attention to? Is it number of users, transactions, uh, exchange traded volume, price? What, what do you think is the, the most important things there? I, I do believe is uh, two things, uh, assets under management uh, for the companies that are uh, in the space. Uh, so, you know, the amount of uh, of crypto, I would say crypto under management, um, which means effectively that people are holding their crypto and that if they're paying with crypto, they're paying to other people, but the, the crypto is not leaving back into fiat. So if we see that growing, uh, that trend growing over time, that's going to mean, uh, you know, the crypto is actually uh, overthrowing uh, fiat and that it's being successful. Um, secondly, which is goes hand in hand with that is the cash-ins, uh, so on-ramps. Uh, effectively, you know, um, the amount of people turning uh, their, their fiat into crypto through cash-ins. Um, and I think those two things are definitely going to be uh, really, really important. And of course, you know, we're talking about, like any company, uh, 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 market share uh, in terms of users. We have about, um, I believe, about uh, 600 million uh, people in Latin America. Um, and uh, you know, half of them are unbanked yet. 
which is really awesome, an awesome opportunity for crypto. Um, and um, and so, you know, the fact that anybody with an internet connection and a smartphone can can have their own uh, uh, money and, and and don't go through the banking system, uh, I think that's a really really important um, uh, kind of development for for the region. And um, I, I would say those those are the three things: amount of users, uh, you know, compared to the market, um, uh, cash-ins, and uh, crypto under management. Yeah, those are uh, three definitely great ones. Uh, before we wrap up, I always ask everyone the same two questions. Uh, the first question is, what is the most important book that you've ever read? The most important book? <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I have to say that um, I became a less of a fan of, of business books uh, over time. I, uh, you know, following very much what Naval says, uh, I, I figured that a lot of these concepts, I can learn them from uh, YouTube videos and things like that. However, I can tell you that one book that I really enjoyed, and this is not related to crypto, it's actually related to company building, is The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Uh, if you're a CEO or a founder, even in the early days, it, a lot of these advice is for when you're actually starting to scale up. But even from the early days, if you uh, read that, uh, it's I think it's super, super valuable. Um, and of course, uh, for people that are interested in, in crypto, read the Bitcoin white paper. <laughs> I think that's a great piece of advice. Uh, the second is a question brought by our friends at 8Sleep. They've got a thermo re- regulation. Uh, bed. So it makes it very cold for you to go to sleep, get deeper sleep. Uh, I sleep with it every night. I love it. Uh, what is your sleep schedule? I used to be one of these people who didn't sleep at all. And now, uh, now I sleep like a little baby. I'm a convert to the sleep religion, if you will. Uh, what, what is uh, your sleep schedule every day? I sleep um, like clockwork at 11 p.m. Sometimes I, at 11.30 p.m. And then I wake up at 6, uh, 6 a.m., 6.30. So I usually sleep uh, seven hours. It works for me so far. Over time, I have seen that the older I get, I need less sleep. Um, or I, I wake up, you know, uh, rested uh, after less time. Um, I do value sleep a lot, and I value, uh, you know, habits. For me, I, my my schedule is is extremely uh, strict. Um, so that's a little bit of my uh, sleep schedule. I love it. Uh, in terms of the uh, the third question, uh, it's a little bit more fun. Aliens, are you a believer or a non-believer? I'm a believer. <laughs> I'm a believer. Uh, I don't know if we have uh, you know have any contact with aliens, but from a you know math, uh, just from math perspective and what we know so far from the universe, it's very unlikely that there's no uh, uh, aliens. So, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think they're out there, man. I don't, we'll see. I think they're there somewhere, but I don't know if we're ever going to run into them. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You could ask me one question to wrap up. What is the one question you have for me? Man, how the hell do you create so much content? <laughs> Listen, I'm learning, right? And this is uh, this is the third podcast that I'm recording today, and uh, I uh, basically have sat here for a number of hours. Uh, and I'm just learning. I get asked all these questions, uh, and it's pretty crazy. Like the way I look at it is I get to sit here uh, two days a week, so Wednesdays and Thursdays normally uh, in the afternoon, and I just have people come on, and they tell me everything that they know. 
right? They tell me all the secrets. They tell me all of their uh, insights. And so that helps from a podcast standpoint. And then the rest of this stuff is I just kind of live my life on the internet, right? It's uh, when I think of something, I say (laughs) it. I uh, got something to respond to somebody, I respond. I just kind of, everything I do, I I have no no things that aren't on the internet. And uh, what it does is it allows me to kind of put out like the, uh, um, you know, the, the bat light, if you will, right? You remember when Batman would put it up in the, in the sky, it's the same thing. Uh, people know what I'm, you know, into what I want to learn about the type of people I'm looking for. And so I just use the internet to my advantage. And part of that is, uh, is creating content. So I'm having a blast and I'll keep doing it until at some point I'll probably get tired. And then one day I'll just wake up and just, I'll disappear off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I asked that because I'm, I'm, I'm starting to focus on creating more content for, for Spanish speaking people and, you know, running a, running a company that's, that's not my priority. So I'm trying to figure out how, how do I optimize for that? Uh, You're tweeting in Spanish more, right? I'm, I'm going to be starting, I'm I'm starting to do that. uh, And I'm going to continue to do that more and more, um, both in Spanish and English, but definitely with the focus of, you know, helping spread the. Uh, education uh, and educate people in, in Latin America about uh, money, why money, is, why crypto is money, <laughs> the problems with the fiat uh, infrastructure and all that. So making it by size, you know, abstracting complexity is really, really important. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it's, uh, it's obviously very clear that uh, if you're able to uh, take what is, uh, you know, kind of all the ideas and, and uh, analysis that's in English and get it into Spanish, um, and really help people in kind of the part of the world that uh, literally they just can't understand it, right? It's just in a different language. Um, it's uh, if you can kind of bridge that divide because it goes both ways, right? People in the United States, they don't know what's going on in South and Central America because they don't speak the language. Uh, and so yeah. I think that it, by bridging that divide uh, would be fantastic. So uh, please, please, please keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I will. <laughs> Where can we send people to find you on the internet or find uh, value? So uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Simon Value. Uh, value is uh, V-A-L-I-U, like Valium, like a drug, but without the M. <laughs> uh, so Simon Value um, in Twitter. Uh, I don't have Instagram yet um, uh, or Facebook. So And you can follow Value uh, as well at ValueCo uh, or ValueCom for uh, Spanish-speaking people in Twitter. Um, and... If uh, you know you have a Spanish-speaking people, uh, listeners that are in Colombia or Venezuela, want to try our product, uh, you know, just go to the App Store uh, or Google Play and type value, and you will find it right away. Amazing. Listen, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and talking about this. I know you're very busy, and uh, we got a company to build, so keep uh, keep going. I think that uh, it's a no-brainer in terms of providing the solution to people in South and Central America. So uh, I'm excited to uh, to be part of the journey, and uh, just really proud of all the work you've done. So we'll have to do it again in the future. Awesome. Thank you, Bob. Take care, man.